This is a podcast by Householders Options to Protect the Environment, Hope Australia. We are a community environmental education and capacity building organisation based in Toowoomba, South East Queensland, Australia. This is a podcast in the series Eco-Social Work in Australia. It was produced for Hope Australia in Toowoomba, Queensland, on and adjacent to the traditional lands of the Jarawa, Guyabal, Yugara and Waka Waka peoples. Hope pays respect to the past, present and emerging leaders of all First Nations people in this country and acknowledges the unique contribution that their cultures make to contemporary Australia. Within Australia over the last 10 years or so, the momentum to develop eco-social work theory and practical interventions has begun to emerge, perhaps most prominently, within the pre-qualification training of social work students, both via teaching within the academic institutions and on placement. Over the last couple of years, we've started to see eco-social work student placements being implemented, for instance in hospital and community not-for-profit organisational settings. Students in these placements have been required to engage directly with physical environment-related tasks related in some way to client intervention and to reflect upon the links between the more traditional social work values and principles they brought to placement and the eco-social work theory and practice elements they have been asked to factor in. Such pioneering student placement work is already producing a richer understanding of what the future may hold for eco-social work diffusion into mainstream practice and what that could look like in practical terms. My guest on this episode of the Eco-Social Work in Australia series is Katrina Lawrence, a social work student who completed just such a novel eco-social work placement with a community environmental capacity building not-for-profit organisation in South East Queensland in late 2020. We talk here about her experience of the work required, how she came to make sense of the eco-social work role, and as a student in training, what she thought was the particular value of undertaking such a placement. Welcome Katrina, and great to talk with you on this episode of the podcast series. Thanks for having me. Katrina, Let's start the conversation today by asking you to introduce yourself more fully. Give us a a bit of an overview of your personal and social work student background. Also, tell us why you chose to go for an eco-social work-oriented placement, particularly given that this form of social work, eco-social work, is still coming onto the mainstream radar in Australia. All right. So um, so I have just... I'm a Master's of Social Work student, um, professional qualifying at Southern Cross University. I've just finished, uh, well, when I say just finished, so at the end of last year, I finished my uh, first placement of 400 hours, which was a green social work placement. Um, I've, I've got a real passion for working with young people and communities. Um, and um, I, the, as for the social work placement, it wasn't, because it was coming into the end of COVID or the, um, the lockdown with COVID, um, there weren't many placements available. So I think the university um, were pretty excited when the opportunity for any placement came available. Uh, all they told me was that it was a green social work placement and uh, I was keen just to get on with it. And that's when I met Jenny and yourself. Um, when we, uh, like we met in, um, in the park one afternoon, I had no idea the organisation that 
I did the placement that had didn't really have a website. The Facebook page didn't show much. So I went into this completely blind and it was all uh, a bit confusing at times, but, you know, trying to unravel what it means. Like I, I felt like at times I was there with, um, with older pra- practitioners and, you know, people who'd been on the journey for a lot longer than me still trying to work it out. But it was, yeah, a great experience. But, no, I, I can't say I actually chose it. It was more I just wanted to get my 400 hours done. It is interesting to recall that the two field educators who gave you support around theory and practice and methods of eco-social work as part of the overall supervisory structure of your placement, myself and my colleague Jenny, we did meet you that very first time in a park in the Toowoomba area, which looking back, you know, it was a convenience issue for a first meeting, but that theory that we touch upon later about the the therapeutic and the well-being contribution the green environment trees plants etc can give to individuals and perhaps sharpening up their thought processes at the same time is is very sort of pertinent looking back but coming back now to the placement specifically itself Katrina you worked in this very interesting community organization setting for the Darling Downs Environment Council and we're going to hear more about that organization shortly. Um, I gather you came fairly fresh to the notion of a link between social work intervention and the physical environment so I want to ask you at this early stage you know, what did you come to understand in general about the eco-social work role you had there? What was it all about in your view and what were some of the basic principles underlying the, the approach which stood out for you? I know that you gave reflective feedback during your time on placement and you've had uh, quite a bit of thinking <clears throat> about the roles that you in- fulfilled there but also the possibilities of eco-social work going into the future. So would you like to say something about those ideas? Yep, so one of the earliest and clearest ideas of green social work that I picked up was actually from your presentation that you did with uh, the AASW around um, eco-social work and I think that was the 2021 that you did last year Um, and reading it you said that green social work is concerned with or eco-social work is concerned with how environmental change impacts on individuals and communities Uh, and I that really laid the foundation for me and I still think it's one of the most important things about eco-social work considering that we are in a climate emergency like you know, if, if climate change doesn't change trajectory soon like my daughter who's three now like who knows what type of world she's going to live in as she gets older so well we do know what type of world it's going to be quite horrible but through the work at so the Darling Downs Environment Council is um, a community an organization that supports community Uh, other community organisations through advocacy and administration support uh, that are focused on environmental concerns. Uh, That's a really brief and it doesn't really explain everything that they do, but that's that's a large part of what they do. And I think through them and through being able to see what they do as a community organisation and the number of issues that are in our community, it, it really helped me develop what green social work could look like. So even just there's one group that work with uh, Redwood Park. Um, they've, they've done the rehabilitation out at Redwood Park and just seeing the amount of work that they've done in that area and they really want people to connect to the area as well. Uh, so, you know, that active getting out in your environment, 
doing work that is uh, so doing work that's like like you know weeding. They're pulling weeds, but they're they're promoting the local ecosystem. You know, they don't pull the plants that belong in the area. They're pulling the plants that don't belong, and that's helping with the uh, small animals that live there. So. I think like from activities like that, so I had the idea that so while advocacy is at the top, I think there's three parts to green, uh, green social work that are important. So there's advocacy, so that's campaigning for climate change or against climate change. Um, there's education, so why is it important that we do that? Like if people aren't in, like interested or they know nothing about the environment, they may not care. Um, and even that's just what's in our local area, you know, connecting people back to their local area. And that leaks into engagement. So we're so urbanised or so many people are urbanised now that we don't have any connection to nature. So it it's not a surprise to me then that most people aren't willing or a large amount of people aren't willing to engage in behaviours that will protect the environment. So, yeah, so that's what was my little um, understanding of where I think social, uh, green social work could go in the future. Thanks for that overview, Katrina. And just as with every other episode in the series, we will put in relevant links into the episode notes so that uh, listeners can follow up on some of the uh, content discussed. You made reference there to the AASW's um, pioneering CPD course uh, running in 2020, Social Workers for Climate Action. If you're a member of the ASW, you can, you can still access that training. Uh, we'll put in links to other organisations that have been mentioned, the Darling Downs Environment Council. And even though this uh, discussion is specific to South East Queensland, the Toowoomba region of South East Queensland, we might put some uh, references in there to, for instance, Redwood Park, which is a local nature refuge environmental park in the Toowoomba region. But in addition to, you were there talking about ecological restoration or repair, um, getting, you know, volunteers involved in restoring nature in these refuges but you also understand it were involved in another type of green thumbs project if that's the way to describe it which is involving community gardens in the Toowoomba region can you give us some overview of how you got involved with that so it was actually called the heights the heights community uh, center um, so they're located in Wilsonton in Toowoomba uh, and I did get out because they are uh, uh, I went out and met and then with my other supervisor, with Jenny, um, I met the centre coordinator and uh, at the end of the meeting I asked if there was anything that I could be involved in. My thoughts would be it'd be uh, something practical like, I don't know, volunteering at the kids' group or something, um, helping supervise that. But then she brought up that they had some cassava plants, so that's a food source for the Congolese community and we have a lot of uh, refugees in Toowoomba. And going, she wanted to find a way to save these plants because with the centre, the centre was getting rebuilt and the developers said they couldn't guarantee that these plants would be protected. And throughout, to cut a long story short, throughout the project I've discovered like there were some beautiful citrus trees there, there was mulberry trees and strawberry plants and all these plants that were just going to get destroyed uh, that I was able to, with the, an army of helpers, um, transport those plants to the new area. Um, and it was just that connection. Like at one point we also, we worked with the youth justice team. Um, they had boys that come out and do, uh, what are they called? Com their community orders. 
Uh, so we were able to connect the boys to not just because normally these boys get sent out. I say boys because they are majority boys. We didn't actually work with any of the girls on orders during that time. Uh, they came out and normally it's just go mow that lawn or go trim that hedge. Like there's no education involved in it, but we were able to working with them, actively getting a hand, like, like I was getting in, getting my hand sturdy with a shovel and pulling up these cassava roots, but also educating them on why these plants are important, where they come from, what are they used for, and just providing that connection to those plants. I could see by the end of the experience, um, their lives had been enriched a little bit, that fulfilled their community orders hours, but also they were connected and also being um both boys that I worked with on one day were Aboriginal and there were some native greens in the garden. So being able to show them, hey, do you know that that's native spinach? Um, or I think, I can't remember the name for the native spinach, but um, but also the mulberry trees, be like, oh, you know, the mulberries are up. Why don't you go over there and pick some? Um, but really connect these boys that had not much connection to the environment and, you know, to be able to facilitate that connection in um, this really small garden. And to me, it seemed insignificant, but it's quite significant. And also we've moved on where we've just gotten a um, funding to get some wicker beds. So we're going towards the water saving. Um, so when the new centre's finished, these garden beds will be put in and hopefully more people within the centre and the community will be able to enjoy some gardening and in a very safe space because I'm not much of a gardener, but I discovered a lot and learned a lot about plants during that experience. I think that's very interesting because you're starting to show there the link between what a social worker does, but also how that can benefit both a physical environment and community enterprise in a certain region. You're also drawing out links here between a principle in eco-social work that's a very important one, which is the link between environmental health and social health and therefore the social justice elements of a community you know, whether that's around helping community members grow cheap but highly nutritious food, whether it's about restoring the ecological health of green spaces that we increasingly have come to know is so valuable to the human health uh, and well-being of a community. You're starting to make those links. Katrina, this podcast series dwells mainly on the progressive and positive aspects of the spread of eco-social work ideas and practice into the mainstream Australian social work profession. Uh, and in, for instance, in your student placement, you've been exposed to all these new ideas about what the possibilities for social work that is directed more at a physical environmental framing. But I'm also eager you know, to ask each guest from their particular perspective, you know, what has been less helpful in terms of then getting on top of this idea of what eco-social work is all about? So in that regards, do you, do you have anything to say about how you found the placement in terms of what was less helpful to you absorbing this, the basic theory and practice of what eco-social work involves? Um, I do because it's something I struggled with to start with and it was that when I asked people in conversation, including you and Jenny and uh, my university supervisor, uh, I was asking what is green social work and I know that it's not an easy thing to fit into a box or fit into a couple of sentences but... I think for me that's why I latched on to, you know, social work, green social work is concerned with, you know, how changing environments uh, affect individuals because it's an easy thing to understand. It simplifies it, it but it also can, it covers a lot of areas. Um, 
I think just talking about it and keeping those conversations going but also demonstrating that most people who have a concern for the environment already incorporate that into their practice. Like one conversation I had with you was about how in a previous workplace you helped to get solar panels onto the building. I believe that was you. That yeah, yeah and yeah, the, and, yeah. And, and yeah, and to change the uh, the office to being paperless or you know mostly paperless. So I think those kind of actions can be considered green social work. It's just broadening. You know, it, it's 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 trying to communicate that it's a lens to see it through, like. Uh, any of the frameworks we adapt in social work. So just, yeah, I don't know if that, that's not a really clarified idea, but... No, no, I think it's absolutely right and valid that you as a student are making this point that, in your experience anyway, it was quite difficult to get an initial good feel for what eco-social work practice means in pragmatic on-the-ground terms. Personally, I think your experience is reflective of how comparatively recent is the process of getting eco-social work principles, methods and approaches not only into student placements but also the post-qualifying social work mainstream in Australia. So I think you know your comments are very valuable. They do point, in my view, to implications for you know extra training, providing an easily accessible knowledge base, a much better one than currently exists on eco-practice, and to have much more ongoing training available for not only student placements but also for post-qualifying social workers in the country. Katrina, let's turn now to another aspect of what must have been a very rich and comprehensive placement because you you were involved in so many initiatives in such a short time of a 400-hour placement, I think it was. But another area that you have given considerable thought to as a result of being involved with local groups in the Toowoomba-Darling Downs region was a potential support role that social workers could offer, you know, using a physical environmental framing, various forms of support that they could offer to environmental advocates and activist groups in a local area who are fighting to try and bring about what they consider at least to be a more healthy, ecologically uh, stable uh, local environment that's going to produce a greater degree of well-being and support for the community, i.e. you know, a climate-safe future. And just to give a bit of extra context in the southeast Queensland region where we're recording this, as with other parts of the country, we've had an extensive history of the coal mining and coal seam gas extractive industries being developed here. We've seen loads of presentations and publicity on the economic and community benefit of those industries over the years. But equally, there's been a significant long-term local opposition to the development and expansion of those industries, with advocacy groups arguing that the long-term prosperity of the region would be better served by developing renewable, low-carbon energy sources adequately protecting prime agricultural land, potable water supplies and clean air. And it's fair to say that such advocacy groups have come under a lot of financial, social and mental stress as a result of their work. Now, Katrina, you on placement worked with one such group. So can you give us some insights into that experience and any of the ideas for possible future social work involvement it produced? Yeah, um, so I worked with, uh, I connected with uh, the guys from the Oki Coal Action Alliance. Every one of the people involved in that, it's a personal cost, not just financially but socially, like huge rifts in that town. I'm fighting up against the government rules where, you know, there's the environmental legislation or sections of that, which 
protects prime agricultural land, but clearly the granting of yeah, a mining contract in that area or a mining license. So they've paid a huge cost, but they're still fighting. There's a lot of people who just went, nope, we're selling and they moved out of the area. But the ones that stayed, um, they became a community, a really strong community that offers support to each other. But I just started to question the skills, you know, the established skills and abilities of a social worker, even I like the social work phrase, you know, to create space for somebody, to just hold space for them so they can express themselves. Like I think there's some very specific social work skills that can be used. It doesn't have to be in-depth counselling. I think just to check in, to provide support. Um, you know, if we want these people to continue advocating, we need to make sure that they can do it for the long term because, you know, the fight's been going for 10 years. It's probably going to be going for a long time. Like we just had or they just had the high court handed down the decision that the whole process has to start again so they're going back to the land court um and it's a huge thing they've had to learn about government processes like i didn't know about you know a lot like these mining licenses have to go to the land court um first i had no idea about the land court's existence but you know the things that these people know and that they've learned because of this i think to their credit it's incredible like these people are incredible, but it has come at a huge cost. So I think social workers, as green social workers, can always offer support. Like, you know, when you go into a fight or when you're going into do something as a team effort, it's like, well, what skills do I have? And as social workers, I think we have the skills to support people in ways that, like, psychology can do great work, but in a group sense and creating community development as well, that's one area that social work has drifted away from a bit as it becomes a little bit more uh clinical um i think you know we can we you know jump back into that community development by supporting people through the court processes and um because like what's the phrase moral moral fatigue is something that is felt and has been felt by many of these people it's like why are they fighting against something there's no win like you know their moral beliefs and their values aren't matching up with what the government seem to be and it's just a situation of helplessness. I could talk about this one for ages, but yeah, I think we need to support our farmers fighting this fight. Yes, Katrina, as you were talking there, I was thinking of some of these terms that are coming up, eco-anxiety, psychotratic illness. Ironically enough, the upsurge in mental distress coming out of an increased community perception about environmental damage may lead to employment opportunities for future community mental health social workers and equally on the legal support side, the legal support work around perceptions of, in the community of regulatory capture or poor environmental law enforcement, again, may, may produce opportunities for future community or policy level social work employment. This also goes, obviously, to the topic of how the social work mainstream may be able to get much more actively involved with climate change and other sustainability impacts in the future. We'll return to that topic at the end of the podcast. So Katrina, as we now move towards the end of this very interesting interview and just thinking ahead to what our listeners are getting from this, uh, what they'll consider you know, after the interview, I know by the time this goes to air, you will have been finished with that placement for a number of months. But nonetheless, I think some of the, the interesting stuff you've been talking about will still be relevant. Thinking about any potential students out there thinking about a green social work placement, this is still quite novel in terms of you know how many placements have been created it's still quite a novel approach to training 
can you give us some idea from your personal experience what you think some of the benefits of being involved in this green eco-social work placement um, approach has actually been? I think the main benefit was being able to wrestle with the idea of how do my ecological values, like, you know, my, my values about the environment, how can I fit those into my framework, my practice framework? Um, and that, especially because green social work is emerging, um, there's not a lot of really firm ideas there it's it's part of being it is part of being part of the conversation the ongoing conversation um i would add like not just a green social work placement but if you can do a green social work placement in a community organization um or part of it in a community organization i would really um it's an amazing opportunity because for me i was able to get out and explore ideas with different community groups so the neighborhood center with the Oki Coal Action Alliance with uh, I got to meet a whole bunch of different groups in the area and just broaden my understanding of the environmental sector within Toowoomba so I think anybody doing that like it, it's an opportunity to go out and and explore those options and what's important in the I think Having that, you know, I'm a social work student badge and having that permission of curiosity because as a student, you know, we're allowed to ask questions. People don't mind us coming in when we say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here to learn. So it's a great opportunity to learn about local organisations but also figure out how does this green social work fit into my placement and how am I going to apply this? So, Katrina, as we come up to the end of this interview, I, I want to sort of, in a sense, cycle back to where we started, in which is talking about the scale, the um, difficulty, the dangerousness of the climate emergency, uncontrolled climate change, and the other environmental ecological damages that we have been considering uh, produced by humans. And I suppose the COVID-19 pandemic has shown us that where the response has been most successful in dealing with that particular threat we were using scientific evidence to plan for effective engagement and we were calling on all levels of society for their role to play in making that plan successful. If you apply that to the Australian social work profession, the question might become, what can the mainstream profession here be doing more of to actually take a more active role in dealing with the climate change problem and other sustainability issues. I know you're right at the beginning of your career about to get into post-qualification in the not-too-distant big ask, but I just wondered, Katrina, if you had any pointers, any sort of reflective points to add to that question. Um, well, if you use the model that, like my personal model of including engagement, you know, there's a lot of research on how engaging people with the environment can help mental health. Uh, has that positive impact. Um, you know, there's a lot of, like, I think in education, you know, becoming aware yourself, I think that that's beneficial. You know, if we're just mindless consumers, then you know, we don't realise the impact, you know, the, the whole impact of our consumerism, then that's, a, that's problematic. I think as social workers where we're meant to be critical thinkers and reflectors, um, I think green social work isn't as like we don't have to go solving climate change while that's the ideal um, that's the gold standard but that's it don't you know it that overwhelming feeling of oh it's just disaster we can give up it's like no you know if we can make small steps like and if if that's all you can do then do it like it's it's those small steps that hopefully you know as you take one step then the next step will be easier like It'll, it'll just become normal. Um, 
I think adopting green social work into general practice is it, it gives a more holistic um, approach to work because you know as social workers and that's one thing I, coming from an undergraduate in psychology it does psychology does pathologize the individual and it is about the individual but as social workers we can look at the collective and look at the context and look at all the uh you know all the things that that brings into it so i think that's you know as a green you know as social workers including green social work into our practice it just makes sense like the environment's having such an impact on us already um, and I doubt that there'd be many social workers who wouldn't be able to find examples within their work where green social work would be appropriate. Katrina, really nice set of positive um, advice proposals to end this excellent interview on. We really hope that in general your comments made in this interview will hopefully influence listeners, particularly those who are students, to start their own conversations with their fellow students, with placement providers and within their future professional post-qualifying roles, really starting to nut out this uh, subject of eco-social work practice adoption. And I think we are going to hear much more about eco-social work adoption in the mainstream in Australia and internationally, even if just as a result of the fact that unfortunately we're going to continue to see major environmental problems such as uncontrolled climate change unfolding and the need for all sectors, all professional sectors and all sectors of society to respond at a commensurate and effective level. But look, just now to wrap up this interview, thank you so much on behalf of Householders Options to Protect the Environment. Thank you for your time today, Katrina. You've given us lots of food for thought. Thank you so much. No, thank you. You've been listening to a podcast episode in the series Eco-Social Work in Australia, produced for Householders Options to Protect the Environment. Please consult the episode text notes for possible references to topics discussed and relevant contact details should you wish to respond to anything you've heard. My name is Andrew Nicholson, producer of the series, and thank you for listening.